It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Thursday, January 21st, 2021. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. Thanks to an economic infusion of federal pandemic relief funding, the city of Sitka held its own in 2020 and is looking forward to better times this year. Sitka Administrator John Leach delivered his first annual report to the Sitka Chamber of Commerce on Wednesday as part of the Chamber's Winter Speaker Series. Leach's tenure in the city's top administrative job could not have come at a more difficult time. He began work in March 2020, just as the pandemic was becoming a life-changing reality for communities across the country. Leach gave an overview of every department in city government in the past year, all of which were fiscally stable, and one of which was charting unexpected growth. In the library, this past year, annual visitors to the library were 106,086. That's enough to fill CenturyLink Field for a Seahawks game up to 1.5 times. The library has 71,928 items in the collection, and staff answered or researched almost 4,800 reference questions. Visitors accessed 24,338 computer sessions, 1,378 reservations were made for our public meeting spaces. 351 programs were held for children, teen, and adult programs ranging from story time to summer reading and group classes and presentations for adults. Very, very busy over in the library. Leach discussed Sitka's overall financial outlook, which was impaired by significant losses in the visitor industry last year, but somewhat offset by over $14 million in federal coronavirus relief. He mentioned that expenses in Sitka were rising slightly faster than the rate of inflation, but so was per capita income, which now tops $70,000. Although additional financial relief is likely coming from Congress, Leach pinned some of Sitka's financial future on a rebound of the visitor industry and a proportionate increase in sales taxes. He anticipated that the city's contribution towards schools this year would exceed the revenue from property taxes by over half a million dollars, making sales taxes that much more important. Leach shared some thoughts on the matter during Q&A. Right now, we have regular talks with the, uh, the cruise ship industry, especially. Um, mm-hmm. People want to get back to cruising, and I, I think I'm speaking for the community when I say we want cruise ships back here. We want them back here safely. Uh, we want people traveling safely. Um, so we're, we're planning on a season. I think the season is going to be very scaled back, um, but... We are uh, continuing talks with the cruise ship industry almost weekly. I'm on the phone with with one of them um, and trying to find a way to uh, continue the the talks back and forth on what's the feel of our community and then what what can the cruise ships provide and how can we communicate with each other to make sure this is being done um, safely while we're still under uh, many of the COVID restrictions. That's Sitka Administrator John Leach delivering his annual report to the Sitka Chamber of Commerce on Wednesday. You can find a link to Leach's full report on our website, kcaw.org. Yakutat has reported two new cases of the coronavirus. Both people who tested positive had symptoms when they took tests on Monday. The Yakutat Community Health Center said in a press release that the cases are travel-related and that contact tracing is underway. The Yakutat Incident Command has reported 16 cases of COVID-19 since the start of the pandemic. Two of those cases are active. Southeast Alaska's largest Native cultural gathering won't be held this year. 
celebration traditionally draws thousands of participants to Juno to honor Hlingit, Haida, and Simshian dances, language, and song. It's normally held every two years, but the coronavirus pandemic forced the 2020 event to move online, and organizers hoped to hold a gathering this year. Now, the in-person event tentatively planned for June has been called off because the COVID-19 vaccine is not yet available for those under age 16. That's according to a statement released on Wednesday by the Sea Alaska Heritage Institute, the event's organizer. SHI's vice chair, Albert Kukesh, says the board of trustees didn't want to put children at risk. I mean, we're talking 5,000 people here to come into one place in Juneau. And we don't know whether we can bring those kind of people together. It might be irresponsible for trying to do that if the pandemic was still raging. Kukesh says the board will revisit the issue to decide whether it's safe to hold a celebration event in 2022. Ketchikan officials downgraded the community's pandemic risk level to its lowest mark on Wednesday. The low risk level indicates little presence of the coronavirus in the community. Ketchikan officials have reported only two new COVID-19 cases in the past week. That's despite administering nearly 1,000 tests. Both of the new cases were linked to previously known infections, indicating that testing and tracing efforts are finding success. The return to low risk doesn't have many immediate consequences for residents or business owners. Voluntary capacity recommendations for bars and restaurants are lifted for now. Ketchikan's borough-owned gym will also return its capacity limits to normal. Local officials say the risk level is partially intended to help people decide for themselves how to best reduce their risk of catching COVID-19. Ketchikan area mayors and senior municipal officials determine the risk level after consulting a variety of pandemic indicators. State health officials say Alaska's overall pandemic alert level remains high, and much of the state is still seeing widespread community spread of the virus. The city of Sitka remains in the high alert level. Haines residents displaced by December's deadly landslide are worried that bears will break into their vacant properties to scavenge for food. As KHNS's Henry Leisure reports, the local bear task force recommends the borough step in to help. When residents evacuated Beach Road last month, they left home abruptly, with little more than the clothes on their backs. They still don't know when they will be able to return. The landslide cut off electricity and road access to the area, making it difficult to return home to retrieve items. It really worries me because we went to Costco, right, and there's food in there. That's Haines resident Maggie Belize. Her home is at the other end of the landslide. She has been making short trips to it on foot. Every time I bring a little bit of food out because I'm in the spring when the bears wake up, they're going to hit one of the house, the smelliest house probably. And then they're going to turn around and find other and they're just going to go down the line whether there's food or not. Mm -hmm. You know, they're just going to rip everything open. In recent years, Haines residents have experienced a spike in property damage from bears and a record number of bears were killed in defense of life and property in 2020. A local task force was created to come up with ways to improve the situation. Belize took her concerns to the task force last week. There's a lot of homes over there that have a lot of food. We have been over there emptying out freezers the best that we can. We don't have access great access to get there. We either get by boat or we haul it out in backpacks. Members of the Bear Task Force agreed that leaving food and other bear attractants unattended on Beach Road could pose a serious problem. They discussed the possibility of using a landing craft or even a helicopter to haul out food from Beach Road. The task force recommended that the Haines Emergency Operations Center work with Beach Road residents to explore ways to remove bear attractants. 
In Haines, I'm Henry Leisha. State wildlife officials have reported that 68 wolves were taken by trappers last month on and around Prince of Wales Island. Conservationists had unsuccessfully sued to block the 16-day trapping season. They argue that the state and federal officials are allowing wolves to be killed unsustainably. But Regional Wildlife Supervisor Tom Schumacher says the Alaska Department of Fish and Games managers are confident the island's Alexander Archipelago wolf population is healthy. If you can catch 68 wolves in three weeks, I think that means you still have a, a pretty robust population of wolves. And um, you know, looking at all the inf- sources of information that we have, we're pretty confident that we'll have a fall population right within our population objective range of 150 to 200 wolves. The state agency estimated around 316 wolves in the fall of 2019, but that number doesn't include the record 165 wolves, more than half, reportedly killed by hunters and trappers over four weeks later that year. Conservationists argue that the wolf population is threatened and that some hunters and trappers don't report their kills. The Center for Biological Diversity filed a petition with federal authorities to list the gray wolf subspecies under the Endangered Species Act. Prince of Wales residents have testified in hearings that the true wolf population is higher than official estimates. Many blame the canine predators for the falling deer population, where venison is an affordable alternative to expensive store-bought meat. Conservationists counter that decades of commercial clear-cuts on Prince of Wales Island forests are to blame for the thin deer herds. Taking a look at the community calendar. Ernest Manowal speaks and shows photos from his travels in Ethiopia at 7 p.m. today via Zoom. Participants must register by noon today. For more information or to register, contact Margot at 747-4020 or email margot.oconnell at cityofsitka.org. All Southeast senior citizens are invited to join free chair yoga classes with Search and Sue Conrad at 11 a.m. Tuesdays and Thursdays through February 25th via Zoom. To register or for assistance connecting, contact Aaron Mathis at 966-8720 or email emathis at search.org. The deadline for children age 8 to 10 to register to join Sitka Public Library's Pick Your Own Quest online book club is Wednesday, February 3rd. The group meets at 10 a.m. on Saturday, February 6th, and the book featured is Dragon vs. Unicorn. Registrants receive a program kit with directions and activities to do during the program. Register by calling 747-4020 with an email address for login information. A Little Free Library stocked with books for all ages opens at 2 p.m. on Friday, January 22nd at the Sawmill Creek Apartment Complex by the Playground. Cupcakes and book bingo competition sheets will be given out. Winner of the competition will receive a $25 gift card. Contact Anna at 609-751-1409 for more information. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News. This is morning.